אוקיי, אוקיי, פינקי סוואר? פינקי סוואר. I will not put it in the podcast. No, Pinky swear שאנחנו בסדר. Ah, of course we are בסדר. טוב. So what do you want to put in the beginning? Um, this morning, I would have said a different answer than just now. I was watching um, their kid, and we watched... Who is there? Where we're sheltering. I don't want to give her name, so let's just call her something else for the duration of the show. Uh, maybe we can call her... Sally. <laughs> And oh, Sally can wait. She knows it's too late. So I was watching Sally, this cute two and a half year old. And I just instinctively put on Be Our Guest from Beauty and the Beast. And then it went into like a super Disney clip phenomenon. And I loved it because I used to love Beauty and the Beast. That was my favorite movie. And we just had the best time. We like hung out. I mean, we weren't just like watching stuff, but... We ended up watching a bunch of like Sesame Street from the 70s. And I was thinking about all the hope there was in that post-war period and all the, the kind of initiatives that there were. You know, that joy to the world stuff and, you know, the Muppets and just kind of, wow, everyone, here we are. We're all different. And we, there's room for everyone. And let's celebrate how different we are. Let's get along. And I was raised into that context. I was showing her like, I mean, I wasn't born in the 70s. I was born in the 80s, but I showed her like the Paul Simon when he does me and Julio down by the schoolyard on Sesame Street, like back in the day. And we watched um, a clip, which I hadn't seen before, which was amazing. It's like Cookie Monster loses his cookie at the disco and it's from the 70s. And it was really joyful. You know, I'm, I'm, I was really trying to be in the light as much as I could. With her today and it was really fun i really love hanging out with kids before this all started i was looking more and more into like becoming an art therapist and working with kids and i love craft it really has helped me heal a lot and i still believe that and i had this kind of i don't know this this vision while we were sitting there watching it and i was like oh wouldn't it be amazing after all this is done to do just like a new sort of show for kids and their parents. And we could speak different languages and we could have like different people on the show. I, I don't want to give up that dream of the eighties in New York that I was born into with all those different kids I grew up with. But this is not like the classic, sorry to break the utopia, but this is not like the classic Netflix move that they bring You know, all the diversity, identity, you know, the transsexual, the, the fat, the white, the, I don't know if it's woke to say what I'm saying right now. I think a lot of, I'm happy you brought up identity politics. There's a line that I, I wrote down a sentence that I said on the phone with my friend yesterday, just so that I'd remember it for today. Um, we were talking about all this stuff and I said, You know, that's the problem with identity politics. There's still no room for an identity like mine. This is the update for Wednesday, October 18th, the 12th day of fighting. Two main stories we'll cover today. First is the, uh, the explosion in a hospital in Gaza, where many, many casualties were reported, maybe hundreds dead. Uh, this happened late last night, so Tuesday. Uh, after a few hours, uh, the uh, IDF uh, released um, 
its investigation showing that it was in fact not IDF bombing of the area, uh, but was uh, rockets fired by the Islamic Jihad from within Gaza. So this was actually the terrorists hurting their own population, whether by accident or on purpose, probably by accident. Uh, pretty compelling evidence, photographs and, and sound recordings of people within uh, Hamas talking about the, the event. This led to a, a huge uh, outcry all over the world, demonstrations against the, the, the massacre. But then both Israel and the U.S. and in fact most of the mainstream media uh, accepted the, the explanation and the, the proof uh, by Israel that it was in fact a fire from the Palestinians that killed all, all these people. And you could sense a, a, a sigh of relief. Obviously, no one wants innocent civilians dead, but a more cynical explanation is that whatever advantage Israel might have in the world opinion, it loses as the, the bloodshed goes on and on within Gaza. Uh, so that, that was the main event of Tuesday night and into Wednesday. It affected the second main story, which was the visit by uh, US President Biden to the region. Uh, he was supposed to meet with heads of state, Jordan, uh, Egypt, and the head of the Palestinian Authority. The, those, those meetings were canceled because of the, of the tragedy in the hospital. But uh, Biden, uh, once again in his speech, uh, uh, showed solidarity with Israel, which was very meaningful for the population in Israel, uh, very meaningful strategically for the military backing that uh, the Israeli army has and the, the aim of, of getting back the kidnapped to the hostages in Gaza, many of whom are American citizens. And uh, Biden uh, also made the speech after it was clear or it was clear enough the hospital tragedy uh, was in fact self-inflicted. Uh, those are the two main events for Wednesday and I'll give you another report tomorrow. Do you want to explain more about the sentence you said? Yeah, sure. So I'm perceived, and you asked me about this the first day we met, as this like privileged Jewish American girl, you know, this like trope of a, like, I don't know how many generations in the States that has like her parents sent her uh, to college and paid for everything and have enough money and like help out and whatever and don't maybe have like Holocaust or like veteran trauma and all this other stuff when very like calm households for a long time, people here in Israel <laughs> thought my parents were like professors at Columbia. And then when I was like, no, my parents were like blue collar workers who like vote for Trump. My dad's a small business owner, in South Florida. And then here in Israel, I'm seen as like Ashkenazi, like you're European, but we're not the same kind of Ashkenazi that's been here since before World War II. And then there's a different context for the ones that came out of like the displaced persons camp and that were refugees themselves. And my parents grew up in this town called Tirata Carmel, which is like pretty hardcore. It was back then, you know, it was like projects and stuff. It was really poor. My parents were broke. And even before they get there, my mom reveals to me on the phone last night, you know, they left Transylvania when she was like nine, 10 years old. She didn't know she was Jewish until she was eight or nine years old. And she went to a German school. 
So there's like so many layers here. And then she told me this story. My mom's really into like knitting and quilting and she's like super ADHD. So her mom was like, you're going to start knitting at the age of three. And there was a store in Haifa in the North. And it was like this yarn shop. And my mom would go there all the time and buy yarn. And then one day she goes in there with my dad. She's in her late twenties then. And, um, they, my, both of my parents speak Hungarian. My mom's Transylvanian Hungarian. And the shop owner was speaking in Hungarian to someone else in the store. And my father's like, oh, Hodvod, like starts speaking in Hungarian to the guy. And then the shop owner says to my dad, oh, <laughs> you, you got yourself a really like hot Moroccan wife who's smart and like elegant. And so my mother responds to him in Hungarian and just tells him off, leaves the yarn on the, on the table and never steps foot in the store again. And she's like, you know, everyone always accuses me of being racist because I'm a Trump supporter, but I've always been in favor of justice. And I grew up when they first got here, they were in Demona. <laughs> um, can, you, can you read the sentence again, please? Sure. <laughs> That's the problem with identity politics. There's still no room for an identity like mine. Please explain me identity politics relate to the war. Okay, I'll try, to, I'll try to distill it. It's such a messy topic and it's, I don't want us to get canceled before we take off, you know, Tor? So to be a good Jewish American Democrat right now, it's like I have to forsake my Israeli identity. I have to forsake my Israeli combat medic, veteran, dad. I have to forsake my desire for this country to continue to exist. And what I have to do. You don't have to do anything. You're not American. <laughs> I'm Israeli, American, American, Israeli, Jewish. And my friend in LA put it really well a few years ago. She said, You know, I'm Iranian American Jewish. Like we escaped when I was eight. Not not me, her and her family. And she said, when I Iran does crazy stuff, I no one's no one's telling me like you have to choose between your identities. You're with us or there. And I I never asked anyone to choose amongst their identities. Like if someone wanted to tell me that they're whatever they are, it's like, do you, baby, go big. You know what I mean? Like as long as you're not like getting in my face about it or like taking you know, hitting me, taking something away with me, like go nuts. Like, I, I really do believe that there's room for all of us if there's like consideration and stuff. But I, I really do think that Israeli Americans are held, or American Israelis, however they want to um, categorize themselves, are subject to uh, something that no one else is. And that's really nefarious. That's not cool. And then here I'm treated like, oh, you don't know. You don't know you're not from here because people just assume. They assume that I'm either, you know, privileged, white, which I'm not, or they just assume that I don't know anything because I just got here. Meanwhile, I've been here for 13 years and it's not like I've just been like sitting at the beach. I've been super active. I've immersed myself in the language. I, I, I worked at law firms here, I, I handle negotiations in Hebrew. Like I, 
assimilated. But it's also weird to say I assimilated because I was born into an Israeli house that spoke Hebrew and my dad would answer the phone and say like, Alo, you know. <laughs> For me, it still sounds a better option than to be just Israeli. You have the language, you have the American citizenship, like, I think it's like, few people don't, don't get you or don't understand. Like, is that so bad? It's an isolate. It's not just that it's isolating. It's that it's kept me silent for my whole life. And, and that's, that kept me up this morning that I'm not going to play a victim here. I let myself be silenced, but I kept silence. I didn't see anyone like me on TV. So apropos hair, because you were, you were there in the shelter last night, right? When me and all those girls, beautiful, her trained Sudanese girls and like between the ages of eight and 11 and there are air raid sirens overhead. And I'm trying to like, you know, keep it groovy, keep it fun. And I'm like, Ooh, I like, what is that gorgeous, like silk wrap thing in your hair? And Oh, I love the braids or they knew. And it was like nine o'clock at night and they were, you know, and some of them we've been ha- hanging out. <laughs> That's so weird to say. We've been hanging out for a week and a half, I guess. And some of them were like hugging me during this whole thing. And then they were like, Ooh, let's braid your hair. We want to braid your hair. We'll braid your hair now. And I'm like, guys, it's like nine o'clock. You have to go to sleep. You guys are kids. I'm like, no, no, no. We're going to braid your hair. But there's a whole context about cultural appropriation. Like for a, a white woman to ha- wear like black braids in America, it's seen like as this like thing you don't do. It's like, uh, uh-uh, no, you don't. It's politically incorrect. Like if I were to walk around or be photographed, with braids like the ones they were wearing. That's like a super no-no. And I was reflecting on that last night. Like, how weird is that? That they wanted to do it. They really wanted to. They were just like, oh my God, let us, please let us, let us braid your hair. We'd love to braid your hair. Um, which kind of braid? Do you want like her braid or that braid? And like, I just was like, okay, guys, like tomorrow's a new day. The sun went to sleep. Let's meet the sun tomorrow. And I thought about my own hair and my own experience with hair growing up in the States. Like I, my hair is curly and back in like the mid nineties, there was no product for curly hair on the shelf, except for this like anti-frizz serum by John Frieda. And my mom would bring me back product from Israel. And it sounds like such a little weird thing, but most of the girls I knew at Jewish day school were straightening their hair. So When I say I didn't really see anyone that looked like me on TV, I mean it. Growing up, I really didn't see anyone that I felt like, oh, that person is kind of like me. And I worked so hard to be like everyone else. And then when I realized that no matter what I did or what I said or who I was, what I thought wouldn't matter. It didn't matter how much I studied a topic people, you know, that are just jumping into the fray or like, oh no, 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 no. Let me tell you how it is there. Like someone in Colorado who has no Jewish or Israeli friends and is just now like discovering where Israel is on the map is like, no, no, no. Let me tell you where it is. And it's like, and that's, I guess that's why I was so frustrated last night. It's like, at what point, at what point are, would I be taken seriously? And this warrior in me has come out because I know that I've been each of us is blessed with certain gifts. And my gift has been that I, I have this like strength that I try to like not let out of its shell too much 
that I have this like mouth and I'm verbal and I'm like communicative and I have this edge and I went to law school and I was supposed to be a litigator, you know, in New York. And I, I myself let myself be silenced and I'm in my late thirties now. And it took me until now to be like, I'm not going to stay quiet anymore. I'm not going to let anyone else tell me you don't know enough. You're too much. You're too little, all these different things. Like I found this, I found what I'd written to someone two years ago when I got that hate message from someone I went to college with who's Jewish American. And she said that I was an apartheid murderer and I was a rich privileged bitch um, taking up space in Israel. And she knew nothing about where I came from. I, I just couldn't stop crying. I, I, I just got so small and I, I literally got small. I lost like seven pounds that month, which in kilos is like three kilo, I guess. And I, I guess part of this warrior thing, it's not because I'm angry. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's from a place of love. I want other people to not be silenced because every one of us has gifts and perspectives to share. The thing is, I don't have, I don't think I could have, err. <laughs> <laughs> if you tell me, man, just speak now, I don't know, five minutes about your identity. I don't think it's mean so much to me, like I'm not carry this identity, let's say issue during my life. I just like live <laughs> and Please, can you explain me why, I guess, American people so care about identity? What, what is it like? I don't, it wasn't. Uh, Where did it come from? I felt it less when we lived in New York and I went to public school in Queens. Like there was something so amazing about that elementary school I went to. I was reflecting on it with my friend in New York, who's a food photographer. And we love food. I love food. I love like weird, tasty, funky foods. I love weird ingredients. I like, like tasted the weirdest stuff when I was a kid. I would like combine Coca-Cola and OJ on a dare and just be like, I'm going to try it, you know, whatever. And at the cafeteria, uh, we had like our lunch group and it was like me, um, this Greek Orthodox girl, this Chinese American kid, a Korean American kid. Like we were just like a mixed crew and black kid. And then we would like trade our lunches with each other. I think that's something so important. Like it sounds like some hippie bullshit, but you know, I think that's important for there to be friction between kids at an early age and try new things and to be like, Oh, I like that thing. Or I like kimchi or you're eating seaweed. Let me try that. Or that's weird. And then someone says you're weird. And like kids duke it out. What I think is scarier for the future is everyone, um, dividing themselves into these artificial categories of just like, okay, we're all going to stick together and they're all going to be over there. And then, you know, you develop fear as you get older. Um, and then it seems so foreign to you and you're already scared of it. I used to teach kids how to swim. Um, and the kids that didn't know how to swim by the age of like seven or eight, their fear of the water by then is so intense. Like some of them would just scream and cry like when we were in the shallow end of the pool. But the kids that are like 
six months, a year, two years old, we're just like rock and roll. You know, you're just like bubbles. Let's do bubbles. You know, and like, it's a game. It's fun. But the older you get, the more locked in you get. So it's not just like, oh, that's a nice to have. I think that it helps create a healthier society. And it's not that I, I think a lot of the identity politics is like, it's our way or the highway. And for me, I think the whole point is we're different. I don't want to tolerate difference. I want to celebrate it. You know how yesterday we were talking about the atomic bomb and like, it's like everything's fragmented and then it like blows up in our face. It's all coming to a head now because there's something about identity politics that flattens human life. And it says, these are boxes, but I don't want to be categorized. You know, like I, I want to be free and I want you to be free, genuinely free, free to just be like, don't put me in a box. You know what I mean? Like, and to be put in a box is to be flattened. It's to be someone else deciding for you who you are, which is prejudicial. And it's, it's kind of devouring someone else. You know what I mean? And it's also ranking us in some sort of like linear scale of humanity, which is, you know, in anthropology, you're, you're kind of saying it's not that civilization advances. There used to be this view of the world that like Western civilization was like the most advanced part of the world. And then there was everyone else and they were just like behind, but then, and I don't want to unpack anthropology and like there's, there's stuff to be criticized there, but there were people that like in the sixties and seventies would go to these communities like in Africa. And then they, they'd meet these communities and discover ways of life that are existing at the same time as other societies and people look at them as quote unquote backwards or primitive, but in a sense, they're more advanced because everyone gets food. No one goes hungry and people are working a lot less. So is that really as backwards as we think? And I think that putting people into boxes and then separating them isn't really going to get us closer to peace, but actually further away from it. And it's going to, instead of bringing us to a place where we can learn from each other and different perspectives and, and kind of go about a solution more creatively with more input, I think we're moving further away from solving a lot of problems that we, we really do need to be solving with respect to not only climate, but the distribution of food and the redistribution of wealth and access to healthcare and water and education. And these things that are really, really important. Well, this is the end of the episode. What? That's it? I mean... Yeah, I don't, I don't think that I understand better the term identity politic. Um, Maybe I'm not the person to ask about it, but I will say that that's what we're seeing on these campuses. We're seeing like it's... I, my question is like, who am I, you know? Well, who do you want to be? What is my identity? On, on some level, I, I kind of envy you, Dor. You know, tell me more. When I went home a few years ago after I left big law and I just needed to just be burnt out at my parents' house, which isn't a vacation. I did a lot of Marie Kondo and kind of had some breakdowns, but <laughs> I, I called one of my close friends in Israel. I had been going through the family archive of photographs and sorting them. And 
I just called her sobbing because when I'm there, I was like one person then I'm here and I'm someone else, someone else, somewhere else, different context. And I felt like I just called her and I was like, how am I ever going to make sense? How am I ever going to be one thing? Like, who am I? What is this thing? Like over there, I'm not enough over here. I'm not enough or I'm not around anymore. Like I'm absent. Like I just feel super fragmented and I, I feel like half people stitched together kind of with ticky tape, like this severe confusion about my own identity, leave aside identity politics. That was a huge thing for me to unpack on a, on a personal level in my life. And should I be here? Should I be there? Where do I make sense? Where, where am I supposed to be? Stuff like that. Those were the questions I was asking myself for a long time. Where should I be? Should, as if there's like a right answer to your life. And she said something really brilliant. She said, but Amy, you are all those things and all those things make up who you are and you contain all those things. And that's, that's you. And with respect to where you should be in the world, I think you didn't come to this world to answer that question. I think that there are more important questions or more interesting questions that you want to deal with. But I still, I still feel like I'm missing. I'm missing. I miss my parents. They're on the other side of the world. I haven't seen my dad in like 18 months. You know, I missed, I missed the birth of my niece. I haven't met her yet. There's, there's something nice about it all being in one place. You know, I, I'll go to, um, I'll go to some sort of like gathering and people will all start singing a song they grew up with here, but I don't know the song because I didn't grow up here. It's like, I, 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 I'm like, an outsider here. And it's a weird sense because it's not like there I was an insider because I was born into a family from outside of there. So it's this feeling of always feeling like you're outside looking in and never, never really allowed to have a seat at the table. But when you're from one place and your parents are from that place and your grandparents are from that place and there's this continuity, I can get that you're probably like, oh my God, it's probably better abroad. And I totally respect that. And I've also still have those questions that come to mind. I guess I envy that sense of continuity that provides a sense of stability. And it also gives you um, an authority from other people. And you have to, I guess, fight, you have to work less to get a seat at the table when, when you have that continuity. And when you do speak up, people listen to what you have to say instead of saying, oh, no, no, you don't get it. Oh, no, 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 you're not from here. Oh, no, 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 you don't understand. And frankly, I'm tired, you know? I want to dedicate a song for you to the end of this episode. You can sing with me. <laughs> but I'm a creep. I'm a weirdo. What the hell am I doing here? I don't belong here. Now do the credits. I will play. Thank you to Shema. Thank you to Jonathan Gall. Thank you to Maya Schlesinger. Thank you to Dora Comet. And thank you to me, Amy Sapan. And thank you to you. We hope I. Uh, we hope you're as okay as you can be feeling right now. Stay safe. It's 
and stay tuned. I'm a creep.